take your Bible this morning, open it back to John chapter 5. I wanted to continue in our exposition of this wonderful passage of Scripture. And we really embark on a new section in John chapter 5, verse 30, down through 47. It will take us just a few weeks to to, uh, work through that. And I've titled this section, Witnesses to the Deity of Christ, Witnesses to the Deity of Christ. Let me go ahead and read, maybe not the entire section, but let me read 30, at least through 39, so that you get the sense of the flow of the text for our time this morning. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and You are willing to rejoice for a while in his light, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they who that bear witness about me. Let's let's bow in a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing today, even as we prepare for the Lord's table. Father, what a great day this is. We celebrate mothers, and Father, I'm reminded even last week at the wedding that was here that You are the one who created them, male and female. And, Father, it is by your design that you bring people together. It is by your design that children come. And it is by your design that we honor this day before us. It says in Ephesians to honor your father and mother. And so we take this day out to give you praise. And, Father, to, to celebrate your creation that way. Father, turn our hearts to the word. We're in need of a word from you. This is our very life. Father, we're not here to operate in the flesh. We're here to operate by your spirit and to have a word that speaks to us clearly from the word of God. And then as we prepare for the Lord's table, would it be that you make us ready for that, Father, as we reflect on the person and the work of Christ. And we're going to give you all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Well, you remember as we find ourselves in chapter 5, it really began, did it not, in 1 through 16 of the healing that took place of the man at the pool on the Sabbath day. He healed that man who had been an invalid for 38 years and he made him walk. He didn't have to get in the water, Jesus just commanded him and That man that had been laid there was healed. In verse 9 it says, he took up his bed and walked. He gave him the command and ate, get up, take your bed and walk. And he did. And it was a powerful miracle. In fact, we 
noted a few weeks back that maybe one of the most powerful miracles that Jesus ever did, not that the miracle was more than another miracle because he did many miracles. In fact, he did so many miracles that John said if he wrote them all down in a book, he supposed that maybe all the books in the world couldn't contain him. But we said important because of what he declared after that miracle. Remember we said the key on all of really chapter 5 is look back at verse 18. He said this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And so from that point, he launched into his equality with God. In fact, from that statement where they knew that he was declaring himself equal with God, Jesus made four declarations regarding that equality with God. Jesus said that he is equal with God in essence in 17 and 18. He's equal to God secondly in action, that what God does, he does. Thirdly, that he's equal with God in power, that as God has life in himself, he gave that to Christ. As God has the authority to judge and is the prerogative of God alone, he gave Christ all authority to judge. And so he's equal in power. And then we also said, fourth, that he's equal to God in honor. Look at verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So this truly is an outstanding assertion by Christ. I mean, if anybody else asserted such a declaration, it would be blasphemy. But it comes from the lips of Christ. It is a declaration of his equality with God. Now, as you come to verse 30... It's really a summary of what he stated then in verses 17 through 29. He said in verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In other words, he summarizes what he has articulated in those previous verses. In other words, if you criticize me, you criticize God. If you oppose me, you are opposing God. Jesus says here within the Trinity that his will was so totally identified with the will of God that he said in verse 30, his judgment is just, in essence, because it is God's judgment. So it's God's judgment. My judgment is just because what he does, I do. Now you'll note verse 30 is is somewhat interesting. Would you just note in verse 30, if you're a grammarian, there are eight references to the first person singular in this sentence. It's kind of fascinating. And think about it here, this ideal of witness. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
there are eight references to the first person singular in this sentence. Jesus appears, if you just looked at verse 30, to be the sole witness of his own defense. Right? In other words, it's, it's, it's fair what he said. He is the defense of his own testimony. He is bearing witness, and it is his witness. But in the Jewish world, if it was just him, the testimony would be invalid then, right? In fact, this is why Jesus made the statement he did. Look at verse 31. He said, if I alone bear witness about myself, underline this, he says, my testimony is not true. Now, let let me clarify this, okay? He doesn't really need anybody to bear witness about himself. He, speaking the words that he speaks because of his person, because of his uniqueness, because of his essence, because of his action, because of his power, because of his honor, he doesn't need another testimony. So then look at verse 31. How could he say, if I alone bear witness about my testimony, my testimony is not true? Here's why. He's speaking to us here in legal terms, if you will. He's speaking to us in terms that the Jewish people would understand. Now, on the one hand, he doesn't need it. But would you just turn the page right and go over to John chapter 8. Let me just validate that he is accommodating us here to speak in human legal terms back there in John 5.31. But he said, look over at John 8.13. The Pharisees said to him, interesting, you are bearing witness about what? Yourself. And they just said to him in 13, your testimony is not true. Look how Jesus answered 8.14. He says, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. He said, I judge no one. But he just says there, I do bear witness about myself and my testimony is true. In fact, look over, stay there and look at John 8, 18. Jesus will say there, he said, I am the one who bears witness about myself. So it's valid. Verse 18, and the father who sent me bears witness about me. So he didn't need anybody else to bear witness. He bore witness about himself. And then in addition to that, the father bears witness. But you're well aware of, I think, that Jewish law demanded the confirmation of multiple witnesses. Jewish law, Jewish legal terms. So if Jesus was bold enough, as I said, to make those declarations in which he did, he will now, in this text, back up those declarations by other testimonies. He again recognizes that the Jews legally would not accept the claim based on the witness of one person. In fact, just take your Bible, look back to Deuteronomy just for a moment, okay? Keep your hand there in John 5, but look back to Deuteronomy 
chapter 17. And I think you've seen these texts before if you've been in Christ, but I show them to you with your eyes so that you can understand where Jesus is going on this. On the one hand, he doesn't need anybody else. But on the other hand, according to Jewish legal law in terms, he wants that. Deuteronomy 17, verse 6, where an evil had been done, okay? Um, Pick it up at verse 4. It's told to you, you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently. And if it's true and a certain that such an abomination has been done in Israel, you shall bring out to your gates the man or woman who has done this evil thing, and you shall stone that man or woman to death with stones. Watch this. On the evidence of what? Two witnesses or of three witnesses the one, it says, who is to die shall put to de- be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of what? One witness. So Jesus says, on the one hand, I bear witness, and that is true. And not only do I bear witness, but my father bear witnesses, bears witness of me. But on the other hand, and if you're just looking at it legally, They needed two or three witnesses. No person was put to death on the evidence of one witness. Look over at Deuteronomy chapter 19. He will say there, in effect, the same thing. He says in Deuteronomy 19.15 that a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. And we understand that. Jewish law, if you will, demanded the confirmation of multiple witnesses or at least two witnesses or three witnesses. So as we approach the text here, look back now. At John chapter 5, I want you to know exactly where we're going. As we approach John chapter 5, beginning at verse 31, we are transitioning, if you will, from Jesus' own testimony of his deity in verses 17 through 30 to the other witnesses in 31 through 37 that proclaim his deity. There you have it. He proclaims his equality and his deity. He's equal in essence, action, power, and honor. But now you're going to bring in witnesses, if you will, that proclaim his deity. Now, if you glance down at John chapter 5, just as we set the table this week and the weeks to come, you'll notice in verse 31, he says, If I alone, see that word, ESV, bear witness about myself, then he says, Very similar word in its root. Verse 31, my testimony, he goes on to say. That word bear witness, just in verses 31 through 39, is mentioned seven times. So as you begin to interpret the scripture, you're beginning to see that he's talking about witnesses here. That's used seven times. The word testimony is used four times in verse 31 through 39. So, beloved, the words are courtroom language. And we enter here into a courtroom scene. 
And what Jesus does in the word of God is he calls four witnesses to the stand to validate his supernatural claims concerning himself. Now, on the one hand, he doesn't have to do that, according to John 8, 13, but he's going to do it. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. He's going to call these four witnesses to the stand. Who are they? Well, number one, he's going to call his father as a witness, verse 32 and 37 and 38. Secondly, he's going to call John the Baptist to the witness stand. Thirdly, he's going to call his own works to the witness stand. And then in a couple weeks, he's going to call the Scripture to the witness stand, which that's going to be an interesting week when he calls the Scripture. Because I don't know too many people who want to call the Scripture anymore. Everybody seems to want to call their own personal experience to the witness stand. But he's going to call these four witnesses to validate his supernatural claims concerning himself. And I think he does that for our benefit, if you will. He keeps the law, if you will, on the basis of two or three witnesses, okay? So that's where we're going. Let's look here at the first witness. He calls on the Father. He calls on the Father as a witness. Look at verse 32. Watch it carefully. There is another, Jesus says, there is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Stop there just for a second. He calls on another witness. It's the same word for another, same word, the direction of the Holy Spirit, another counselor. So here he calls on another witness, another who bears witness about me. Now, some people think, who is that other witness? Well, they just look down at the next verse. Look at it again in verse 33. He said, you sent to John, and he bore witness of the truth. They think the other witness is John. However, here, I think it's likely a direct reference to God the Father. In other words, there is another witness who, you know, who bears witness about me. I think he's speaking about God the Father. Glance down with your eyes in verse 37. He says there, the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. I think he's addressing here the Father. Oh, he'll get to John in a second. But he's going to say as the primary witness, it is God the Father. In fact, just go back to John 8 just one more time. Let me establish this point that I'm making, that it's the Father. I think it's clear in 16 through 18, 8, 16 through 18, he says, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I who judge, or not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. He says, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. He said, I am the one who bears witness about myself. And now this. And the Father who sent me, what? Bears witness about me. So as you look at verse 32, there is another who bears witness about me. He's speaking there about the Father. Look down in your Bible at verse 36. 
He says that, eight, and that's in 536, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And so here he's going to call on the Father who sent Jesus. Now you'll note, look in verse 32. He says, I know that the testimony that he bears about me is what? True. In other words, he's marshalling the witnesses here. And the Father is witnessing to the Son that this is the Son of God, that he's bearing witness that it is true. Look over at John chapter 7. Just take you a little bit on this to show Scripture with Scripture. In John chapter 7, in verse 28, it says there, as Jesus proclaimed, as he taught in the temple, he said, you know me, and you know where I come from. He said, but I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is, what? True. He was sent by God the Father. Look over at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. You have this text. This is the Son. He was sent by the Father. The Father is a witness. John chapter 12 in verse 49. He said, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a command what to say and what to speak. And I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. In other words, the Father has testified regarding Him. But at the same time, look back now in John chapter 5. He calls on a second witness, though, does he not? The Father has, he has called on a witness, but he calls on Secondly, here, another witness, he calls on John the Baptist. And so secondly, he calls the Baptist as a witness. He says in verse 33, and he's talking to the Jewish leadership, is he not? He says, you sent to John. In other words, listen, he's saying, listen, my testimony is true, but you have already sent to John. Who did they send? Uh, Look back in John chapter 1, in verse 19, okay? In John 1, 19, it says there, this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? So here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, my father is a witness, and what he does, I do. And what he accomplished, I'm accomplishing. You're criticizing me for healing this man on the Sabbath. My father is at work and I'm on the work. I'm also on work on the Sabbath. But now he's going to call here John the Baptist. They sent leaders to him. Look back at John 5 now in verse 33. You sent to John, and it says in 533, and he has borne witness to The truth. In other words, John gave witness to the truth of Christ. 
Now, we've looked at this, beloved, but just go back just for a moment to John chapter 1. John was a witness. Do you remember in John 1, 6, there was a man, verse 6, sent from God whose name was John. Now, don't get confused. Remember, John the Apostle is writing. But the man sent from God in 1, 5 is John the Baptist, okay, verse 6. Now, verse 7, he came, here's our word, as a witness. He came, in essence, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Oh, John the Apostle makes clear he was not the light, but he came to, what, bear witness about the light, He was, as you know, that long-awaited prophet after 400 silent years, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the greatest man who Jesus said ever lived up until that point. After 400 silent years, he finally got on the scene. The man was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. He was a Nazarite, if you will, and he preached a message of, you know, repentance and so forth. But he came to be a witness. In fact, look down at John 1.15. John bore witness about him. And he cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, ranks before me because he was before me, which was a miracle. We all know that John was born physically first, but he says of Jesus, he's before me because he's eternal Back to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. But He came, verse 15, to bear witness. Look what John said in one twenty six. He said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He's just a witness. He's not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. You know, 129, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's John. He bore witness. You can't get around it. Verse 32, look at it. And John bore witness. And I saw, John said, the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him, and I myself did not know him. But he, speaking of God the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Here's one of the greatest verses in all of John 134. And I have seen and borne and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John came, he was a witness. Just, I like this little verse. Look over at John chapter 10 just for a second because it kind of sums up a little bit of John. Maybe I just like the way it's worded in John 10, 41. And many, he's talking about John the Baptist. He had been, verse 40, baptizing at first, and there he remained. And then in 10, 41, and many came to him, and they said, here's why I like it. John did no, what, sign. Never performed one miracle in the New Testament. But, 1041, everything that John said about this man was, what? True. And so, beloved, he's a powerful witness of Christ. 
the greatest man who ever lived up until that time, the forerunner of Christ, verse 33 says, that he bore witness to the truth. But look what Jesus says in John 5. You get it now in verse 34? He says in 5.34, he says, not that. The testimony that I receive is from man. But I say these things to you that you may be saved. In other words, Jesus clarifies that he's not dependent on John's testimony to establish who he is. He didn't need human testimony. God the Father already testified. But nevertheless, John bore witness. You say, well, then why did he bear witness? Well, look at it again in verse 34. He says in the middle there, but I say these things that you may be, what? Saved. In other words, he's a witness for you. He's a witness for me. Obviously, Christ bears the truth out of his own lips. The Father testifies to him. But John the Baptist is also another witness for this purpose, that you might be saved. In fact, we've already seen that. Just glance back real quick at John 1, 7. Remember, it came out there, and you're certainly welcome to listen to that message online. In 1-7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Here's the purpose clause that all might believe what? Through him. Uh, Now you say, well, Scott, what do you mean that all might believe through him? God's sovereign, isn't he? Yes, he's sovereign, and he's sovereign in my salvation. He's sovereign in your salvation, but he does use us in the process. And he used John the Baptist in the process that all might believe through him. In other words, as he bears testimony of Christ, he does so that you might be saved. But come back to John chapter 5. He's not done with John the Baptist. He says of John the Baptist in verse 35, he was a burning and a shining lamp, verse 35. And you were really willing to rejoice for a while in this Lights. In other words, God said of him, and, and I think if you want to write this down, he's, he's obviously looking to the Old Testament in Psalm 132, 17, where it says in Psalm 132, 17, that God had prepared, it says, a lamp for his anointed And beloved, John the Baptist was that lamp. Now, he's not the light, but he is the lamp, okay? He's not the light itself. He was pushing people to the light who was Christ, John 1, 7. But he bore witness, did he not, as a burning and shining lamp to the light of Jesus Christ. Now, look what Jesus says, verse 35. He says, in you... Again, he's speaking to the Jewish leadership. We're willing to rejoice for a while in that light. Now, we're here in the 21st century, but the New Testament records, and certainly Josephus, the historian, records that the ministry of John the Baptist just generated great excitement for Messiah. Man, they flocked to him, remember? Out into the desert to hear the announcement that John gave of the coming one. He said that that coming one is near, if you will. 
And he gave insistence that the people of God prepare for that coming and is an implicit announcement of the dawning of the promised kingdom, the salvation that Christ would offer, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Here's what it's saying is that John's ministry provoked great enthusiastic joy. But sadly, look again at verse 35. He says, you were willing to rejoice. And then he makes this little phrase, for a while. And he put it in the past tense, maybe implying that either John is now dead or he's at least in prison. But the Baptist witness supported our Lord's claims. The Father bore witness. The Baptist bears witness. Look at verse 36. Amazing. Jesus says, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. How so? Gar clause, we call it. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Beloved, he calls on the Father. He calls on the Baptist as a witness. Now, thirdly, he calls on the works as a witness or his own works as a witness. So the Father gave Christ works. Now, he uses that phrase, works. It's a great word. Sometimes he uses the word signs. But these works, beloved, testify to his deity. And his works include every miracle. It includes his death. It includes his resurrection. And beloved, the purpose of the works always is to authenticate the message. They are here to authenticate the messenger. I would submit to you that we don't need those works anymore because you're holding in your hand the word of God that contained the works of God and the works of Christ. But whenever the miracles were given in the New Testament, they authenticate the message. They authenticate the messenger. In fact, it could be that even as he goes to the scripture next, that the scripture is more powerful than the works because it's in the scripture that you find Jesus Christ. And so here, as I mentioned, it's works, plural. They bear witness to Jesus Christ. So the Father gave witness, the Baptist gives witness, and these works give witness. They testify to all who, to who he is because all that the Father does, the Son does. In fact, track it with me just a little bit. Go back to John 5.20. Remember, here, I mean, this would be alone enough. For the Father, 5.20, loves the Son, shows him all that he is doing, he himself is doing, and greater, there's our word, works than these will he show them so that you may marvel. You remember, what are the greater works? Well, the greater works, at least there, are his ability to give life and his ability to judge all of the world. Those are his works. So translate that for me. Well, if you're in high school this morning, you should just believe the works because the works testify about Jesus. Period. 
In other words, you got the Father, you got the Baptist, but you got the works, and whatever the Father does, the Son does, because he shares equality with God. That's why they wanted to kill him, because of that. But here, the works are that they would be displayed. Listen, beloved, you know, we might make light of it. He turned water into wine. I, I don't even quite know how to say it. He changed the chemical composition of water. And there's no fermentation. There's no process. They poured the water, it's a work, into the water jug, and out came the greatest wine that they ever tasted. Then he heals this guy who had been an invalid waiting at the pool for 38 years. And not only does he heal him, but the dude picks up his bed and walks with no muscle atrophy. I mean, I'm just pointing out a couple. Then the deaf hear and the blind see. And then on a couple of occasions, he took about 5,000 people and fed 20,000. These are his works. Then he dies on the cross. Then he raises from the dead. Then he calms the storm. He just stands up in the boat and says, Hush, be still. He puts a guy's ear back on at the arrest. Amazing. He heals a guy from a distance. Remember that one earlier in John? The guy's got a fever. His son's going to die. And it was at that very same hour. He transferred power 20 miles away. And as I mentioned, it could have been 20 billion miles. That's power. Those are his works. And so you've, these are witnesses to the person of Jesus Christ. Look over at John chapter 9. This is, John is just so clear on these things. And you know this story. The, he healed the man born blind. You remember the disciples in John 9 said, asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, you know the answer. It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Works. And he healed them on the spot. Some people aren't healed on the spot. Some people will be healed at the second coming of Christ. Went to go see a young man this week. I don't know if he's so young. 32 years old. They just bought the big house over here. Maybe we can help down the road. You know the big yellow house? I think it's on Madsen. You ever seen that big yellow house is what I call it? Just drive by and you're like, that thing's like a mini castle. Well, this nonprofit bought it. And they're going to put adult, handicap people in it. They're not kids. They, they bought an adult home. And so I came up and I met Kevin, 32 years of age. He's there with his dad. We think he recognizes his dad. I just lean into him, put my hands on him, tell him I love him. He, he won't be able to come to the service here one day, but maybe we can take the service to him. Do you think we can do that? I think that's where Jesus would be. So listen, he healed this man that day, but I believe one day he's going to heal Kevin. He's going to give Kevin a new body. And I think we're going to glory in those works. But here, this man, who sinned, this man or his parents? Neither. But he's this way 
that you might see the works of God displayed in him. Look over at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. You can can take this one to your high school, whether it's Reedley or Fowler or Kingsburg or Emmanuel, if you're a student. Jesus said in 14.10, he said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Question. And then Jesus said, The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his, what? Works. Verse 11. Believe me and that I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Or else believe on the account of the, what? Works themselves. Just believe on the account of the works themselves. They display. You say display what? They're a witness to him. I mean, I keep coming back in my mind this week what C.S. Lewis said. Either he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's what? Lord. But remember, Lewis said something like, let us not consider this patronizing nonsense to say that he's a good teacher or a rabbi. Listen, look at his works. In fact, look over at John 17, 4. They're all his works. In 17.4, he's in his high priestly prayer. I can't wait till we get there in five years. Um, But he said in verse 4, he said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished, there it is, the work that you gave me to do. And maybe it's his greatest work was his death on the cross in submission. Do you remember when Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. In other words, we can't deny that. Look back at John chapter 5. Well, we read that one in verse 20, that he will give the Son greater works than the ones you've already seen up to this point in John. He's going to give him the ability to call every man, woman, child, who has ever lived on the face of the earth. There's 7 billion people now. He will call everyone who's ever lived out of the grave because he has the power to give life, raise the dead, and he has the power to judge. Look over at John chapter 10. I missed one there. Just highlighting this third idea. In John 10, Jesus answered them. He said in verse 25, I told you, And you do not believe, he said, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about who? Me. Let me just ask you a question. Who else has done this? Who? Who's just done one thing? I mean, honestly, it's works... Who's even claimed to do this? Who's done this? This is the record of Jesus Christ. And then from Easter, we all saw him after the resurrection. Look over at John 10, 37 and 38. He said, if I am not doing the works of my father, if I'm not, then do not believe me. But verse 38, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. 
Listen, the primary witness of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Father. In fact, look back now at John chapter 5 in verse 37. He just says there, and the Father, 537, who sent me has borne witness about me. So, beloved, the works of Christ, it's an understatement. And it, and it just, it really bugs me. Can I just, it just bugs me. How many people talk today about hearing a voice from God? It undervalues the work of Christ at times. It undervalues the written word. But the works of Christ, beloved, authenticate the truth of the person of Christ. Who is he? He is God. And his own testimony is this, that he's equal with God in essence. He's equal with God in action. He's equal with God in power. He's equal with God in honor. And if that's not enough, he calls on the Father as a witness. He calls on the Baptist as a witness. He calls on the work of Christ as a witness. And these witnesses, beloved, validate his supernatural claims about himself. And he did that so that you might believe. So, that dinner... A couple nights ago, somebody gave my wife and I a gift certificate to Fresno, and we were down there, so we just went to dinner. Thank you. It's very gracious, and uh, there's our waiter, very nice-looking young man, great smile on his face, very helpful to us, and then... Someone at the table, ask him about his religious background. I'll leave that unnamed person, my wife. I'll tell you who it was later. Ask him about his background. And with the hugest smile on his face, he says, oh, I don't believe in anything. I'm an atheist. And then he smiled at me, Nick, with a smile. He's an atheist. And so we begin to press down on him just a little bit in gentleness and Show him, did my wife, the Bible app of, of the ESV Bible that he can go read it because we think he was hurt by a church. And some people who get hurt by a church, even in other denominations, don't want anything to do. And it's better for him to say he's an atheist. But when pressed as to the creation in which we live in, we asked what he believed, and he believes in the Big Bang theory. Now, I'm listening to that as a man who's been studying the Bible all my life for, well, at least the last 30 years, nearly 20 hours a week, and I thought, he just, he's hurt somewhere. But, but listen, this truth here of what Christ claims And what these witnesses claim is enough to help that young man. You pray for him. But these are the opportunities that the Lord puts in people's lives so that we can bear witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. Many other signs Jesus did 
and the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. Here's why. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah. You may believe that he is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So it's his own testimony, and now he calls on these witnesses. Beloved, we have a very valid faith that you can bank your life on it. Amen?